peoples of the worldwide federated internet. What's good? So today we're going to be returning to the book of Exodus chapter 32. There's a lot in Exodus chapter 32. Now we're getting to the nitty gritty. We're getting down to the point where we're starting to get more interaction with the people. The description of the design of the tabernacle has been all laid out. And now it's time for Moses to return. Before I get there. There's something that was on my mind as I read through Exodus chapter 32. And I didn't get far because this was nagging on my mind as I was reading it. When we read or let me when I say we, let me say me. When I read the Old Testament or when I have read the Old Testament in the past, I was very very judgmental when I read it. And what I mean by that is I was so focused on what the children of Israel was doing and are not doing and what they should have done. And if it was me and I was there not thinking to myself, wait a minute, if, if I'm constantly looking at these Bible accounts and I'm constantly coming down on the children of Israel and I'm not really thinking about, well, why did they do this? Would I do the same thing? How do I avoid doing this? Really, this is what we should be taken away from these things the lord jesus christ said search the scripture for in them ye think ye have eternal life and they are they which testify of me and ye will not come unto me that ye might have life i think i think in our own desire to be pious to be above others sometimes we don't see the sins of ourselves and others. We don't see where, oh, I would have done that same thing. So, okay, now knowing that I would have done this same thing, how do I avoid this? What steps can I take to make sure I don't go that route? That's not what we do. And that is what we should do because these things in the Old Testament, not only does the Old Testament point to Christ, is also an example of what to do and what not to do. So what I want to start off by doing before we get to Exodus chapter 32 is read something that was covered in first Corinthians chapter 10 dealing with exactly what I just said. So without further ado, let's get into this. I'm going to read through this really quick. I was just going to read verse 11 because that's where I'm going, but I'm going to read verse one down to verse 11. More of a brethren, I would not have you. I, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. So we know exactly who he's talking about. And we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased 
for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things are written. Now these things were our examples to the intent. We should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Uh, neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now, all these things happen unto them for examples. That word example is, is very similar to the word example, almost the same exact things, old English word, not really used now. An example, a pattern model for imitation, uh, to exemplify, to show by example. So this is what, uh, this word carries very, like I said, very similar and can almost be interchangeable with the word example. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So this is one of the reasons why we have these things in the old Testament. So it would behoove you to pay attention when things are going on and learn from these things. Don't just take these things and and read past them and run with them and don't don't think anything of it you can learn from other people's mistakes and i think that is what we should do when we read the old testament all right so let's get into this exodus chapter 32 and when the people saw that moses delayed to come down out of the mount the people gathered themselves together unto aaron and said unto him up make us gods which shall go before us for as for this Moses, uh, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we what not what is become of him. So they're like, yo, Aaron, get up, make us some idols, make us some gods, because we have no idea what happened to Moses. We don't know if he's coming back. We think we need to move on. How crazy is this? Now, I want you to, to let this sink in. Now, I, don't, I can't remember. I think you can actually uh, calculate this. I can't remember the exact amount of time that transpired between uh, what's happening here and them leaving Egypt. But let's go over the events. Let's go over some of the things that happened. They cried out to God for help. God sent them help and sent them a deliverer in Moses. They God sent the plagues upon the Egyptians. Uh, the Hebrew people were okay through this whole thing, through all, all of the turmoil of all these plagues. They were fine. All they had to do is do what God said, and they were fine. They were completely fine. You had the plague of the blood and the river, the locusts, the killing of the firstborn. They leave Egypt. Pharaoh and his armies in hot pursuit. The people of Israel, these, they, for all intents and purposes, for 400 years, these people knew nothing of war. They knew slavery. They knew how to, how to grow crop, but they knew nothing of war. 
Pharaoh's armies pursuing them, hot pursuit. They get to an ocean. There is an ocean before them, Pharaoh's army behind them. They have nowhere to go. They crossed that ocean on dry land. They did not have to lift a finger. All they had to do was trust God. The, the, the walls of that ocean, that water that they crossed through collapses on the army of the Egyptians and they're defeated. The Hebrew people arrive safely on the other side and all they had to do was trust God. They get into the wilderness. They're hungry. They think they're going to starve. God provides them manna from heaven. Boom. They're in a desert place. They're thirsty. They think, oh, this is it. We're going to die of thirst. God provides them with water. God did all of these things, all of these things in succession. They have all of these things to look back on, to know what the character of God is. Can they trust God? Yes, they know they can. This is proven. They see what God has done. So now to get to this point, Moses goes up into this mountain to talk to God. And remember, they had came to the, to the, the base of this mountain, right? And God came by. He's like, yo, tell the people not to go past this point. Send Moses up. Moses, you're going to come up and talk to me. They're going to hear the thunder. And so they knew they, they are seeing God's power at work. They're seeing all of this. And yet here it is after all of these things transpire. After all of these things happen, the children of Israel are still thinking to themselves, well, you know, we don't know if Moses is going to come down. So Aaron, go ahead and make, make some gods for us to worship. They're getting ready to worship a thing, an inanimate object. They're going to worship at the altar of the creation versus the creator who they have seen at work. They have even heard his voice. I had to set that up for you so you, so that could sink in exactly what's going on. And Aaron said unto them, break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, of your daughters, and bring them unto me. So here's my next question. Why did Aaron acquiesce? I, I, I've wondered this a lot because this is just me personally. I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Aaron wanted to do this. And I think Aaron actually believed and trusted in God. Now where his faith was, was he courageous enough? Maybe that was really the point. I think Aaron was afraid of the people and you know what? It would be easy for me to say, oh, he should have just stood his ground and he should have. You got thousands of people and they're telling you, yo, this is what you're going to do. We don't know if Moses is coming down. We don't even know where he went. And you might have faith, but is your faith strong enough? It should be right. So, again, following what we saw in the book of first Corinthians chapter 10, I'm looking at all of this as an example. I'm not thinking to myself, oh, Aaron, you should have been a G. You should have stood 10 toes down. You should have been, look, I don't know what I would have done in Aaron's position. Would I have acquiesced and, and catered to the people? I, I can't say that I wouldn't have. I would like to believe I wouldn't have, but I, I don't know. But I wonder if that's what it was, if it was really fear, because he seemed to cave pretty quickly which is surprising to me. Uh, not surprising in the sense that I can't believe he would do that. I would just, after everything, 
I've read so far, had I not already read, you know, through this many times before, I would have thought to myself, there's no way Aaron is going to do this. There's no way on this planet Aaron is going to acquiesce to what these people have asked for. But yet he does. And all the people break off the golden earrings, which were in the ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with grave with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, these be the gods of Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. How crazy is this? They're saying that these inanimate objects that can do nothing that they had to make that have no power that can enact nothing that can't hear them, can't see them, nothing inanimate object. They're saying these are the gods that brought us out. These are or let's say they made these idols and they believe these are the representation, quote unquote, of the gods that brought them out. Either way. They saw, physically saw the workings of the most high God of heaven and earth. They heard his voice. They heard the thunderings. They saw what happened to Egypt. They saw what happened with the plagues. They saw what happened with the water. They saw the manna. They, they, saw, they saw the water out of, out of a dry land. And yet here they are worshiping an idol. One of the first things they were warned not to do. And this is what I want to say as well. When you see what happens to the children of Israel moving forward, if you, for those of you who've already read through the Old Testament before, probably many times, you know what happens. You know the, the tumultuous history of the children of Israel as recorded in the Bible. You know the ups and downs and the woes when they should have been completely victorious, how they were smashed and, and torn asunder, really. It should have never been, but I think what happened is the things that were set in motion right here. Well, even before here, there were things that were set in motion before here. If you followed my, uh, my, uh, series going through the book of Genesis, you see how I kind of document the shortcomings of the fathers, you know, uh, physically genealogically of the Hebrew people and some of the blunders they had. And some of the different character traits they had that were carried on into the next generations. And we see it showing up again here. What you do matters. A lot of people think that no matter, no matter what they do, it won't affect anybody else. What you do matters and it will affect people down the road. Whether you believe it or not, you can make this a positive effect or a negative effect. That's all up to you. It's, it's all up to what you want carried out after you. And I don't think people realize that, like I said, I think we are under this impression that our actions don't matter. I'm telling you they do. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Now, I am so confused with Aaron at this point. I'm not going to lie to you. And I'm conflicted because you get invested in, in, in some of these people when you read these accounts, right? Like anything, reading draws on emotions, 
just like watching a movie, right? And this is an actual account. This actually happened. So, yo, Aaron is my dog. I'm rolling with Aaron and I'm very confused by him at this point. I'm very confused by this proclamation. Now, again, not confused in a sense that I think Aaron is beyond sin. No man, woman, boy, or child is beyond sin. It's not that. It's that up to this point, I just would not have seen Aaron doing this. And it, it's like, it's a con every time I read this, it's like, Aaron, what are you doing? What is you doing, man? What's going on? I don't understand. Verse six. And they rose up early in the, in the, uh, on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat, to drink and rose up to play. Now this is interesting. I'm going to tell you why this is interesting. That word there, uh, for play, the Hebrew word is ta, uh, and that word means to laugh, mock, play, to laugh, to jest, to sport, play, make sport, toy with, make a toy of. And this is what's, what's interesting about that. I have noticed in my own self, not pointing out somebody else in my own self or my own sin, I've noticed when I've gone like straight off the rails, off the deep end, my own way, I notice a pattern. I go off my own way. I do things I have no business doing. And that word play, right? Remember what was in there, a mock, right? Toying around. The people, as we read in the book of first Corinthians, there was all kind of debauchery going on at this point right here. And I've noticed that rebellion to God, no matter how quote unquote small you might think it is almost always, I'm not going to say always, I will say in my case, almost always leads to debauchery. Why is that? That's my question. I think I have some answers or I've, I've, I've got some guesses as to why that happens that way. And I've thought about that. I've thought about that quite a bit, but we see it happen here for the children of Israel. Will we learn from this? How many of us will read this and will say, yo, I can see exactly how I'm getting ready to go off the deep end. I can see exactly how I'm bugging out. I'm bugging out. I'm getting ready to do something that I have no business doing. This is not going to lead anywhere good. The children of Israel paid for this rebellion and disobedience for generations to come because there's always somebody watching. There's always somebody that's going to pick up this trait and only through God's grace will a bad trait, will a bad habit, will a sin die off with you, especially if you have children, younger cousins, younger people that you mentor, somebody's going to see somebody's going to pick up on this trait. I wish I could tell you that I learned my lesson reading this and never sinned any great sins and, you know, live my life right. Exactly how I was supposed to. I, that's not the story I have. I'm, I'm trying to warn you. I'm trying to help you out so that you can have that story. Yo, I saw what happened to the children of Israel, man. I stayed far away from that. 
I don't want no problems. I'll quote the verse again from the book of Hebrews. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Y'all know what it is. Stay frosty, people.